I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, you are our God. We pray that you would keep your promise and be with us this morning in this place, and we trust that you are here in our midst. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Imagine that it's a dark and stormy night. You're in your house all alone. Maybe you are a child and you're afraid of the thunder and lightning. And all of a sudden the phone rings. You answer it and a strange gravelly voice growls at you. I'm coming to get you. It's terrifying, right? Now imagine the same dark and stormy night, except instead of being alone in your house, you're stranded by the side of the road. The thunder is still loud and the rain is still pouring down, soaking you to the bone. All of a sudden, your cell phone rings. You answer it and your father's voice is on the line. I'm coming to get you. What a relief. And how different those same words seem. I'm coming to get you. The same sentence that was so terrifying when spoken by a stranger who, let's be honest, may or may not have had a hook for a hand. Now, that same sentence spoken by a loving father is good news. Everything depends on who it is that is saying the words. And I want you to listen to some more words, words that make me think of thunder and lightning. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Whose voice do you hear in these commandments? Is it the voice of a hook-handed killer or the voice of your caring father coming to your rescue? Are the words terrifying or are they a relief? Well, I hope that we'll see as we consider these commandments this morning in light of the good news about Jesus Christ, that by a miracle and the intervention of the Holy Spirit, even otherwise terrifying commandments become, in the context of a relationship built on faith, wonderful promises. That's where we're going. Commandments becoming promises. But how do we get there? We're going to start by being lost at sea. In early 
ocean travel. Ship captains never sailed out of sight of the shore. That long ago, if all they could see around them was water, if there were no stable reference points like rock formations or lighthouses, sailors would have no idea where they were. Navigation was impossible. It wasn't until the stars were understood, and the North Star in particular, that ship captains could sail out into the open ocean with confidence, having an external reference point, something outside the system, outside the world they knew, allowed them to stay on course. And until God spoke into the world from the outside, in this case by his Ten Commandments, the navigation of human life was similarly impossible. Until God spoke No one knew where to go. Now, it is, of course, true that God had already spoken into the world by the time we get to Exodus 20. Indeed, he spoke the world into existence. And in the beginning, he spoke with Adam and Eve regularly, walking with them in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve knew God. And we're in good relationship with him. He would have been that loving father's voice on the other end of the phone, not the hook-handed killer. God told them what to do, and they did it. But then the serpent lied. Sin entered, and humankind tried to be like God. And that relationship was damaged And ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, humanity has been estranged from God. Remember, after the fruit had been eaten, when the Lord came into the garden, Adam and Eve heard him coming and they hid from him. They were now afraid. In other words, God had become unknown to them. He had now become the scary voice. The hook-handed killer on the other end of the phone. Humanity's North Star had been hidden. And for so many, the North Star remains hidden. This is the result of sin in the world. God remains unknown. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that people who naturally know there is a God, he says, he says look around you. Look in your hearts. People naturally know that there is a God, but they have suppressed that truth with a lie. That creatures are all there is. That there is no creator. And so people find themselves worshiping created things. Sex, money, power, themselves. With no North Star We're flailing around in all directions, looking for something to worship that won't ultimately let us down. We cast our faithfulness here and there and everywhere, but none of the created things we worship can give us what we need. None of the created things we worship can save us. But now... By speaking into the world again, 
by his Ten Commandments, the unknown God becomes known. That's what the Ten Commandments are. They are the unknown God become known. This is what I am like, God is saying. Now, for us Christians, we know that he's made known in another way too, but we're going to get to that in a second. First, this way. This is who I am, says God, and because of who I am, this is who you ought to be. In other words, he might as well be saying, let me tell you why you're so lost. You have forgotten about me. And so you worship other things. You kill, you fornicate, you steal, you lie, you want what is not yours. All because you do not know me. You have forgotten who I am. And the Ten Commandments are God's re-announcement of who he is and his reiteration, therefore, of who we are to be. Now, of course, this is not good news to our sinful ear. We hear this, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And we think of the hook-handed killer. We think this God is not going to want to have anything to do with us. But you know what? It's still good to have a North Star. It's still good to be able to navigate It's good to know what is right and what is wrong without having to invent it for ourselves or to be subject to whatever 51% of the population thinks at any given moment. The law feels bad to us sinners, but the law is good. It is a reflection of the holiness of God, and God is good. And now he has been made known again. There is a God, and he has spoken. Those two phrases change absolutely everything. The world's problems can no longer be blamed on those other people, whoever they may be. The world's problem is our problem, my problem, your problem, multiplied by seven billion. We have lost our way. We have forgotten who God is. We have believed a lie and begun worshiping created things and held up next to the Ten Commandments. We are, each one of us, revealed to be the wicked sinners that we actually are. And not just because we're part of those seven billion sinners. We are sinners as individuals. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. But this realization is the first step to the real good news. As Paul says in Romans 3, knowledge of sin comes through the law. As painful as it is for us to have that north star shine down and show you exactly how far off course you are. Realizing it is the necessary first step to getting back to getting back home, to returning to safety. And how, we might rightly beg to know, can we get back home? How can we get back to safety? Is there any good news for us, foundering on our dark and stormy night at sea, desperately off course? Yes, 
says St. Paul, there is good news even for the most wicked sinner. He continues, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But, he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested, made known apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That's Romans 3, 20 to 22. And it is the sighting of land for the sinner lost at sea. The storm is over. A way home has been found. A savior has come. And this, of course, is the second way that God has made himself known. The birth, life, passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, the rescuer of sinners. We actually play this drama out in liturgical form at the beginning of every single service. We summarize the Ten Commandments, in the same way that Jesus did. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And then what do we say? We make the exact proper response. Lord, have mercy. The North Star has shined down and shown us just how off course we are. But then, like I say every week, like I reminded you today, God has had mercy. And because God has poured out his mercy on us in the blood of Jesus Christ, we can glorify him in celebration. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Peace to his people, you have come to a safe harbor. In Christ, you are home. And here's the key. This is how it works. Because in Christ, you know God again. In safety. You are back in good relationship with him. In Christ, he goes from being the voice of the hook-handed killer to the voice of your loving father, rescuing you. From the side of the road. In Christ, he is not coming to kill you. In Christ, he is coming to save. And so, because you now know God, in and on account of Christ, everything changes. In light of this faith, this knowing of God, the laws of the Ten Commandments actually become promises. This is where I promised you we were going to end up. Do you hear it? Commandments become promises. What kind of God can elicit the kind of faith that could achieve such a radical reorientation? Well, the kind of God who would come to live here, to live and die as one of us under the law, the scripture says, taking the law onto himself, nailing our failure to live up to it, to the hard wood of the cross, dying in our place, And then defeating death and rising again to accomplish our justification. Here's how it works. Here's how a law can become a promise. Hear me. This is a miracle. A pure inbreaking of the Holy Spirit. 
Let's take, for example, the first commandment. Have no other gods but me. That is a law. A hook-handed killer, if there ever was one. A mortal judgment on anybody who would dare to have another god. But remember the I am coming to get you. Everything has changed now. Christ has died. We are reconciled to God. We know him again. And spoken by a creator that you know and love, have no other gods but me, becomes a comforting word. It is good news. An announcement from a loving father ever coming to your rescue. You don't need to keep searching for another god. You don't need any other gods. Almighty God, creator of the universe, will be your God. You will have no other gods but him. He will be your God, even though you are prone to sin. Even though you are prone to search for other gods. He said, he promised that you will have no other gods. And so it is all down the line. Every commandment becomes a promise. Every estrangement is reconciled. In Christ, everything is made new. And so we see that even in a declaration of the law as bald as the Ten Commandments, we are merely proclaiming the beginning of a story that will lead to a criminal's cross on Calvary and then to an abandoned tomb to a crucified and then risen Jesus Christ who gave his life and defeated death to bring you safely home. I want to close this morning with the words from one verse of Robert Robinson's classic hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Robinson gives us beautiful words to express this holy truth. That though we would run away from God, he is a gracious father, reconciling us to himself in Jesus Christ, in whose death, life, and resurrection a commandment has become a promise. Robinson writes this, singing to God, O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. This is God's promise to you. He will take and seal your heart He will remind you that on account of Christ, you need have no other gods. Indeed, on account of Christ, you are safe at home in him. Amen.